It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Thursday as temperatures begin to warm up. So do our shows as we will uh, be talking about what's happening in the next couple hours here on the flagship of the Rural Radio Network. Scott Foster here with you along with Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, and right here live and in color is Susan Littlefield. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning. Trying to hit a pop fly or a home run today. With there the you go. Well, I, I'm more of a singles hitter, but you do what you got to do. Good All luck right. with that. All Thanks. right. <laughs> go ahead. What do you have for us? All right. We're going to kick everything off at 1219, the Angler Journey. As you may have heard uh, talk, Brennan Costello is going to be talking. He's the Chief Business Relations Officer. He talks about what he teaches in the program. Alex brings us that. Then at 1245, we're going to talk cattle and markets with Brad Coima as we look at consumer demand. How do you choose eating at home, eating out, and how it's affecting the cattle market? Then at 117, Bryce will spend property taxes. We all know that's an issue. We'll hear more details from the Nebraska Farm Bureau President, Steve Nelson. I'm very excited to hear what Brennan has to say. He's a Gothenburg alumnus. I think he graduated in my son's class, actually. I interviewed him moments after he became a national officer, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's a good kid. He's, he's not that old yet. He can't be. No, he's, and he's ridiculously smart. All yes. right, thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. You go run over there and get ready for more stuff. We've got uh, Jason Jorgensen here, and finally, MLB starting up. Finally. Yeah, it feels it's, weird, though. It, it does. Doesn't, doesn't, yeah. It's been nice to watch those exhibition games the last two, three days. been watching the Royals uh, from watching, from what I've seen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That pitching staff's not very good. No, it's not. It's uh, not but, not. hey, there's baseball. And, and w- hope springs eternal right now. Everybody's the uh, same record. And hopefully they can get the season in. And they can have the playoffs at the end of the thing, but who knows what October and November will look like. But we know we have baseball tonight. A couple of games. First one, Washington against New York. After that, the Giants will be taking on the Dodgers, I believe. That is the uh, lineup mm-hmm. tonight. I may have to double-check. Yeah, that's, one, no, a, that's a little correct. Bit. Uh, Royals will start things uh, tomorrow at Cleveland. So we'll touch on that. Also, s- some big fighting news just was released in the last half hour or so. <laughs> okay. From TMZ. And if you can't believe TMZ, then who can you believe? <laughs> but they are reporting that 54-year-old Is Mike Tyson, really? oh. who's been training, who said he wants to fight with someone, he has signed eight-round exhibition match with Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> now, I personally would watch that. I'm there. Yep, yep, yep. Now... I don't want to pay 55 no. 60 bucks or whatever it will be, but if I can go somewhere social distancing i'd watch that circus <laughs> wow mike I'd... looks pretty tough he's oh he been does training. i mean he's he does he's back in fighting form but 54 years old and i have no idea what roy jones jr looks like anymore i don't know how heavy he is if he's in shape but you heard it here first people are people are gonna watch though <laughs> yep. that's for sure all right very good let's turn it over quickly to bob brogan stocks down a little bit today stocks stalling and trading on wall street following a discouraging report showing that layoffs are picking up across the country with coronavirus counts also the pandemic's resurgence caused the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits to rise last week. And Union Pacific Corporation 
is uh, reporting its second quarter earnings, and they're a little surprising. All right, that's all coming up on... Friday in the Fields is back with the farm team here on the Rural Radio Network, brought to you by First National Bank. Hi, this is Chad Moyer, and for Fridays in the Field from Northeast Nebraska, we'll be visiting with North Bend area farmer Chuck Emanuel. He and his son Nick farm both in Dodge and Colfax counties. Join me in East Central Nebraska as I follow Mark Dufek from Seward. Mark grows corn, soybeans, and hay, and he teaches agronomy and ag mechanics courses at Southeast Community College in Beatrice. Greetings from the Panhandle of Nebraska. I'm Chabella Guzman, and on Fridays this summer, we'll be chatting with Paul Pieper of Mitchell on dry edible beans, corn, and more. So be sure to tune in every Friday during the midday for Fridays in the Field, brought to you by First National Bank. If you miss it on air, don't worry. You can catch it as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com and also the video link as well to see what our farmers are up to. It's Fridays in the Field on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We've got Paul Perkins in studio, and he must be the guy to blame for these uh, <laughs> hot weather coming up. My goodness, 105 again. They're talking heat index on Saturday, Exactly. Huh? So, yeah, getting uh, into the mid-90s for actual air temperatures, but that humidity figure isn't going to make it feel like it's 105. Already getting close to uh, that level as we head into this afternoon and tomorrow, but not quite as hot, but... Uh, definitely feeling like a typical summer day right now. Well, and it is not cooling down a whole lot at night. Humidity-wise, I was outside looking for that comet last night, which I didn't find, by the <laughs> way. But it's very, it's very sticky. Exactly. Yeah, dew points right now in, in much of the area into the low 70s, low and mid-70s. And it's going to stay humid in the overnight with some south winds keeping those temperatures up also. But right now we are seeing mainly sunny skies across the area. We do have some patchy fair weather clouds, especially in west central Nebraska into northwest Kansas. That's giving us a filtered sunshine look. But overall, though, temperatures warming right up into the low to mid 80s across the area. And with that dew point into the low to mid 70s and, yes, into the mid 70s for a dew point into the Aurora and York area, right at 76 on the dew point in those producing areas of aurora <laughs> we know it's going to be an aurora exactly but yeah definitely on the humid side and that is already making it feel like it's in the low to mid 90s on the heat index rating from lexington on into central and east nebraska and much of central and eastern areas of kansas if you're along in uh, basically to the west and northwest and southwest of lexington those heat index rainies are mainly in the mid to upper 80s over Broken Bow and Ore towards North Platte down into southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. But for today through Saturday, mainly sunny with above normal temperatures in behind the passing of a warm front. And with the building ridge of high pressure, higher humidity a factor. Those feels like readings near 100 today and tomorrow and up near 105 for Saturday. South winds breezy for today through tomorrow. And that does include tonight just ahead of a trough of low pressure stretching from the western Dakotas into eastern Colorado. Some gusty south winds because of that trough. Also, we could see a few thunderstorms fire right near that trough of low pressure for today through tomorrow. Now, Sunday's temperatures back to more seasonal levels when a cold front begins its push to the southeast. With that front's passage, thunderstorm chances start to increase by late in the day Sunday on into Monday. Smaller chances for thunderstorms will continue Monday night through Wednesday as we see some more disturbances drop southeast. That'll be on the outer edges of a ridge of high pressure just to our west. In behind that cold front for early next week, temperatures as 
much as 10 degrees cooler than average. There are some changes in our long-term forecast to the cooler side. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are projected to be mostly seasonal or near normal for the middle part of next week. By next weekend through the 5th of August, the temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas trending seasonal to slightly above normal. Rainfall for the middle of next week in Nebraska and Kansas forecast to be near normal or above normal. But by next weekend through August 5th, a little bit drier weather picture here. Near normal to slightly below normal rainfall is predicted for Nebraska and Kansas. In the latest regional drop monitor, thanks to some recent rains, Nebraska improved a percentage point to 42% drought-free. At least we're not going backwards. It's abnormally dry to a moderate drought for about one to two counties either side of I-80 from Aurora to North Platte. Also over all of the southwest, west, and northeast, there's now severe drought in the very northwest corner of Nebraska. Kansas improved four percentage points to 40% drought-free. It's at least abnormally dry to a moderate drought in the west or along and west of a line from Norton to Ashland, also from Coldwater to Anthony right along the Oklahoma border, and in the eastern part of Kansas along and south of I-70. Extreme drought continues along the Kansas-Colorado border from Tribune down to the southwest corner of Kansas. Weather factors affecting the markets include a brief heat wave in the Midwest and beneficial rain for eastern wheat areas of Australia in the Midwest. A round of stressful heat in this late week not going to last long. A cool front early next week will bring some rain along with some more seasonal temperatures. That rain should be fairly widespread and a benefit to all the crops in the Midwest. Crop areas of the Southern Plains expect varying amounts of rain the next seven days. Central and western Texas, they'll stay dry with little follow-up moisture after some recent rain. Pockets of extreme drought will per- continue to persist across the southern half of the High Plains, maintaining stress on pastures and summer crops. Other areas of the Southern Plains will have moderate to locally heavy rain, including some heavy rain from a tropical system for southern Texas. In the northern plains, center storms over the next 10 days, an overall benefit to crops, even though there could be some severe weather. In Australia, moderate to locally heavy rain for parts of the eastern wheat areas over the next week will bring additional soil moisture for their wheat now in the developing stage. Well, it's going to feel a little tropical around here for a couple days, isn't it, before we cool down? Definitely, yes. Uh, some heat uh, as we head towards yeah, today, basically all the way through Saturday, and then back to seasonal on Sunday with that cold front starting to move through. But if that front slows up on Sunday, Sunday could be a pretty uh, hot day for that day. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. <laughs> entrepreneurship journey celebrating success embracing failure and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you i think the lines between a college program and where we want to take angler are blurring more and more which is good thanks for joining brennan costello is a recent alumni of the angler program and he currently serves as angler's chief business relations officer part of brennan's role is to teach entrepreneurship classes one of which is called gear up it's basically designed like if you've never tried entrepreneurship that's a great place to start or if you're interested in entrepreneurship but you don't have an idea my theory was coming up with business ideas is like any other skill it's like Mm -hmm. dribbling a basketball you get better at it by practicing Mm -hmm. but the basketball world knows there's if you do certain drills you're going to get better at that skill right one drill is called a product remix where you consider a product in one market and you just remix it, meaning you change the product somehow, you change the branding, or you change the target audience, 
and it's remixed and it's better for another market. So my great example for this is Tiesta T. He was a college student and he did a study abroad to India where he saw how much tea was a part of their everyday culture. And then he came back and he looked at tea and it was all this like old English branded or like Indian looking like building on it and just wasn't very, very relatable. And so he thought about how he could remix it and he actually took tea and then branded it in really bright colors, um, mm-hmm. changed the name. So like one of the names of their tea is like Cocoa Puffs and it has all this like, you know, passion fruit or whatever, just like, you know, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And completely rebranded it hit a very different target audience and now they're like the fastest growing tea company in america and he's working with like nba stars and designing tea mm. for them so he you, you take an existing product and you don't come up with a new product you just remix it a little yeah. bit so there's all sorts of stuff like that so that when you leave you leave with like hey i have great ways to i know how to to find business ideas i have this great list of business ideas and problems to solve mm-hmm. and i then practice talking to people about those because we make them go through like a really short pitching. So those are kind of like the things you need as a just in your tool belt to go and, and get started. And Brennan says another drill example is called scratch your own itch. So start by just trying to write down 50 frustrations that you have about a certain market. So a market means the things you're involved in. So like rural, small town population or something like that, or interest you have, like Husker fan, you pick one of those markets and just write down what's frustrating about that market. So I, I always do tea drinker for the example in class. And like one of the things that's frustrating is just like uh, when your tea bag rips open or when you're traveling and everybody has coffee, even though nobody has tea. Cause I hate yeah, stuff like that. And then you pick one of those and you just start brainstorming as many different solutions to that as possible. So like it could be an app, it could be a physical product, you know, and just start a brainstorm. Then all of a sudden you get this really long list of things you can actually try. So it's like market problem brainstorm. Brennan also teaches an angler course on negotiations called Get More. I think negotiation is a skill that everyone should have, but it's like anything. It's like a skill you have to think about to get better at. Anytime that you want something, you're, you've entered into a negotiation. Now, a lot of times you can choose whether or not you want to negotiate, but anytime mm-hmm. you want something from somebody else, that's the potential for a negotiation. So that's why I, like negotiations can sometimes seem like a dirty word. And we talk about that in the beginning. It's like more of just how you interact with people yeah. and use human behavior to get a better deal for yourself. The class mm-hmm. is called Get More. So the whole concept is behind it is like you can get more for whatever you want. In that class, we break down like the mindset behind negotiating. And then we go through practices of negotiating with the head and then negotiating with the heart. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports, and Jason is now sitting in, and we'll finally, our national pastime is here. Happens tonight with a couple of games. Washington ace Max Scherzer is set to throw the first pitch when he faces Garrett Cole and the Yankees at Nationals Park. Later on, L.A. lefty Clayton Kershaw takes to the mound to battle the arch rivals San Francisco Giants at Dodger Stadium. Now, Tyler, I did not think, I, did, I never really thought about this, but no team has won consecutive championships in Major League Baseball since the Yankees took mm. three in a row, the last coming in 2000. I want years. I would have guessed the Red Sox when they had their little run, but you're right, there was a year in between them, I think. But the Yankees, when they were the having their heydays back in the late '90s, so that is kind of incredible. And when the the Giants were winning all their World Series as well, so okay, that's good. That's good to but know. It's good to have baseball back. Yes. 
Scott's Bluff is hosting the Western Nebraska All-Star Volleyball and Football Games tomorrow. Elm Creek head coach Jace Doolin is a head coach of the E-Squad for the football game, and he says this is always a good trip. Out here in the panel, we've had a few. We've played Morrill. We've played Hemingford. We've been out here a few times, uh, and just always enjoy coming out here, get treated well with the, the hospitality of the panhandle, and, and always enjoy it, and love coaching football. It can't be Wyobraska. Mm-hmm. Joining Doolin on the East coaching staff are Jake Harvey of Lexington and Brendan Johnson of Alma. Kickoff tomorrow night is set for 8 Central Time, and we'll have the game for everybody here on 880KRVN. Big news today. It just broke within the last hour or so. 54-year-old Mike Tyson, who's been training for quite a while and been telling everyone he wanted to get back into the ring, it's going to happen. He's going to take on Roy Jones Jr. on September 12th in an eight-round exhibition match being called Frontline Battle. <laughs> it's going to be a battle, that's for sure. Have you seen his pictures? Oh, yeah. This dude's jacked. I don't want to take any punch from Mike Tyson, even now over old. He's 54-year-old. Now, we were talking about this in the newsroom, and this surprised me. Roy Jones Jr. is 51. Oh. I thought he was much younger yeah. than that. I would have thought 40s. Of course, this match will be available on pay-per-view <laughs> and on the social media platform Triller. Now, you being the millennial you yeah. are and all this social media, you ever familiar with Triller? I am not <laughs> familiar with Triller. Uh, I don't know what that is, but oh, very interesting. We were talking off air about this. It'll be interesting because if there is no college football, that this thing could get some good money. Oh, absolutely. Now, do we know is it's an exhibition, but they've got to be getting paid a little bit, right? Yeah. Especially for Roy Jones. You're not taking a punch from Mike Tyson for free. And Mike needs the money. So sure he does. <laughs> I think he blew through <laughs> everything he made in the 80s. This is interesting. Uh, I don't know if I want to you know, spend 100 bucks at home to watch this thing, yeah. but if I could go to an establishment mm-hmm. and pay 20 mm-hmm. 25 bucks, I'd watch this circus. It's going to be a circus, that's for sure. I'd be interested to see 54-year-old Mike Tyson fighting. But again, seeing the pictures of him of working out, I don't want any part of it. And do you remember what happened with Rocky and Rocky Balboa? <laughs> that's right. That's Anything right. Anything is yeah. possible. That's right. Good point. <laughs> that's sports. For more, find it anytime at KRVN. Thank you very much. It's time for Midday News. Ellen Laird is in. But before we get to Ellen, just want to pass along that the Lexington Community Foundation says the USDA food box program is going on today until 1 p.m., so about another 30 minutes. And that's held at the St. Anne Parish Center at 1003 Taft Street in Lexington. Now, spokeswoman Heidi Ravello for the food, pro- food program says the first wave of recipients has gone through and picked up food and says they have plenty more. Again, the food distribution is taking place at the St. Anne uh, Parish Center in Lexington until 1 p.m., so about 29 minutes from now. So something to note for there from Lexington or just in the area right now uh, overall. So. Yeah. Ellen, what do we have here today for you? Well, kind of bouncing off what you said, um, the Lexington Community Foundation is introducing a new food program uh, during their USDA Farmers to Families Food Box program. And this new program is called Feeding Our Neighbors, and it provides individual prepackaged, microwavable, and oven-safe meals to families in need. Feeding Our Neighbors is provided bi-weekly, and uh, and you can pick it up. and it's a plant-based, nutritious meal for the whole household. So families will receive the meals at the same time as the food box. All right, very good. And that goes until 1 p.m. today? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right, very good. 
Attempts to lower Nebraska's property taxes appeared to stumble yet again after some state lawmakers argued that the newest package could hurt local K-12 schools by restricting their ability to tax. Senators debated the bill for about three hours but ended up skipping over it without a vote, leaving its prospects unclear. The only way it's likely to return to the legislature's agenda is if leading supporters can show they have at least 33 votes to overcome a filibuster. A tall order given the opposition to the bill. An arraignment hearing was held in Phelps County District Court this morning for 47-year-old Manuel Gomez of Holdridge. Dave Schroeder has more. Gomez is charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of first-degree assault in the shooting deaths of 65-year-old Raymond Burton and 54-year-old David Rogers about a year and a half ago. He is also accused of shooting 64-year-old attorney Doyle Morris in the abdomen. At his arraignment, Gomez requested new counsel and stated some conflicts he was having with them. In the end, District Judge Terry Harder denied his request. The hearing was recessed for a period of time for Gomez to confer with his attorneys. Upon returning to the courtroom, Gomez stood mute on the seven charges against him, and Judge Harder entered not guilty pleas. A date for trial or future hearings was not set. Reporting from Holdridge, I'm Dave Schroeder. Police say a driver involved in a weekend crash in North Omaha that killed a woman has been released from a hospital and arrested on a vehicular homicide charge. Officials say 18-year-old Jaden Johnson of Omaha was arrested Tuesday and booked on counts of vehicular homicide and willful reckless driving. Police say the crash happened around 10 p.m. Sunday at a North Omaha intersection, killing 33-year-old Brittany McBride of Omaha. Investigators say Johnson was speeding when his sport utility vehicle ran a stop sign and hit McBride's. McBride was thrown from her SUV and died at the scene. Johnson and his passenger were taken to a hospital with injuries. That's a look at your news. Thank you very much, Ellen. And for more, go to krvn.com. From the possibility of a catch-up in backlog of cattle to demand from the consumer, both eating at home and in restaurants. It's all part of what we're seeing this week in the cattle market. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During our weekly cattle call conversation, Brad Coima with Coima Coima Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa, he and I talked about this cattle market and the cash perspective. Well, it's, we're finally seeing some improvement, albeit it's slow. Um, you know, I'm reminded of that old comment, the commodity phrase of up on the stairs and down on the ladder. Uh, when the cash market was collapsing, you know, we were losing five, six, seven, eight dollars a week. And, and now that we finally are showing some improvement, it's it's more like a dollar or two, you know, maybe a week. Um, Monday morning, I thought that there was a significant more, in, uh, I don't know, enthusiasm that we were going to see a little better cash this week. Uh, you have a packer that still has plenty of margin. Um, you've got an industry that's slowly getting current from north to south. I think Iowa is quite current. I think Nebraska's in good shape. Kansas and Texas, not so much. Um, but we're gaining, right? Um, so uh, some some 158 bid by majors here now, which is the best that they've had, that particular major, since the uh, well, first months. Um, so we're getting better. Uh, obviously, these cattle don't work at all down here yet, but uh, some improvement in the cash market, which I, I guess I view as a little encouraging. Plus, I think it gives the, the producer just a little bit of, well, hey, maybe we're done with the downtrend. Maybe I can be a little less impatient. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the lows of the cash market obviously are in, 
in my opinion, uh, quickly can we recover to a level that we can tolerate again. Is there some, some positives coming when we talk about uh, the basis, maybe bids being set for the fall by some of these majors? Does that bring some good news for our cattle producers? Well, you know, maybe I'm really looking at a glass half full type of way of looking at things today, but, but there, there is a, 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 some, uh, uh, some of the, the packers are willing to reach out a little bit and, and, and establish some, some, uh, some bids for like September and October. Um, and some of those basis bids are actually are kind of attractive even compared to what the normal uh, difference between like say where cash is in September and where October is now. Um, so you know, maybe maybe I'm over-reading this deal, which is possible, but I'm kind of starving for some good news. Um, I, I'm wondering, you know, so maybe the packer, if he's willing to kind of try to gain some inventory back there, you know, you know, I'm I'm a big cash negotiated guy. You everybody should know that, right? So I'm not promoting this this upfront stuff. I'm just reacting to it, thinking if the packer wants to own some inventory, maybe that's a good sign. You know, maybe you're starting to be able to see the way at the end of the tunnel, the light that finally, okay, we're about through this backlog. Um, and, of course, the Packers going to have a better idea of that than you and I are because uh, they're out there every day. You know, so. so is that backlog? Because, I mean, there's a lot of concerns with, with COVID and, and what's going to happen down the road. Are we going to see more plants closing? Is there the possibility of being, shall we say, caught up um, on backlogs by, by this fall? I think, yes, the caught up part. <clears throat> there's been... Really, in the last week, week and a half, I think we talked about it last time you and I were on here, too, about absenteeism at the pack analysis. Um, and uh, some of it's because of worker fatigue. Some of it's um, an attempt to get more compensation. But actually, most of the time here, it's because we're getting more cases, just like everywhere in the United States, right? Uh, so, so now there's better protocol. I don't think we're going to get to a point where they're going to have to close a whole facility. The protocol now, so if you show up and you got a temp, you got to go home. Some of those places go, well, not just you, but the person to your left, the person to your right, et cetera. You know, it has to be home for a certain short quarantine. But, but the, the bottom line is, is they're not <clears throat> as efficient as they could be because of this, you know, um, not having everybody there. Um, but so 650, it looks like, is kind of the magic number we've been able to kill in this environment. I'm hoping that as we get another week or two down the road uh, that we can see a little better kill. Now, to your question, <clears throat> if I was to, to, to be dumb enough to guess, um, I think by the time we get to October that we're going to have this this thing flattened out. That will our light placements will catch up to the backlog, and we'll have a more normal supply. And finally, let's look at demand because folks are still in, in <coughs> most parts uh, spending more time at home. They're not going out to the restaurants like they usually had done. So does that mean we're we're cooking more steaks, more burgers on the grill, which could increase that demand? I think that's exactly what's going on. Excuse me, I got a little tickle in my throat. Um, it's been got a, some interesting dialogue today with a couple of people that are kind of retail connected, Susan, <clears throat> and they've been talking about how strong the demand on a retail level is, particularly now that we've got this prices kind of built back into what's competitive and what's fair. You know, where you can T-bones, for instance, are, are advertised here for seven dollars a pound. You know, instead of this stupid 18 or $20 a pound that we had at part of it. So what we're, what we're wondering about is if we're going to see a little change in the consumer habits. Because there's, there's a number of people that they both work, right? They don't cook. They go out and uh, they're finding out that this isn't so hard to grill a steak. It's much cheaper to grill your own steak. And on top of that, you have a typical, it would be that you would eat more quantity when you're cooking your own because 
it's that much more economical, right? Uh, so <clears throat> I don't know. I think we, you know, long term, if there is anything, the long term benefit might be that we might see an increase in this retail demand for sure. Those comments with Brad Coima of Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Pro Radio Network. Bob Brogan. Stocks are stalling and trading on Wall Street following a discouraging report showing the layoffs are picking up across the country with coronavirus counts. On the positive side, several companies reported better than expected profits and investors are hoping Congress can agree on more aid for out-of-work Americans just as an extra $600 in weekly unemployment benefits is set to expire. The pandemic's resurgence caused the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits to rise last week for the first time in nearly four months. Evidence of the deepening economic pain the outbreak is causing. The increase in weekly jobless claims to 1.4 million served to underscore the outsized role the unemployment insurance system is playing among the nation's safety net programs just when a $600 weekly federal aid payment for the jobless is set to expire at the end of this week. The White House has dropped a bid to cut Social Security payroll taxes as Republicans unveil a $1 trillion COVID-19 rescue package. The tax cut had been opposed by top Senate GOP allies. The legislation was set to be released this morning by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. It comes amid alarming developments on the virus crisis. Major airlines are reporting huge second-quarter losses and warning that the recovery and air travel seen in April has stalled as coronavirus cases surge in the U.S. American Airlines posted a loss of more than $2 billion, and Southwest Airlines lost $915 million. Union Pacific Corporation today reported second-quarter earnings of $1.13 billion. On a per-share basis, the Omaha-based company said it had profit of $1.67 The results surpassed Wall Street expectations. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. Property tax measure hits a new roadblock. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Attempts to lower Nebraska's property taxes appears to stumble yet again after some state lawmakers argue that the newest package could hurt local K-12 schools by restricting their ability to tax. Meanwhile, Nebraska Farm Bureau is urging state lawmakers to not give up on the long-time effort. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. We support LB 1106. 1106 uh, provides some significant property tax relief. It does that by uh, increasing state aid to schools in a major way uh, to offset property taxes or the requirement for property taxes or the need for property taxes at the local level. So while no bill is perfect, 1106 makes some really good reforms to our tax system and it brings some balance uh, into who's paying for the cost of education. So it's something that we're very supportive and certainly when you look at what's going on related to COVID-19 today at this the, you know, all businesses are being affected, all individuals are being affected by it, but uh, particularly farmers and ranchers, you know, I've seen prices drop significantly in almost everything that we grow and raise, and we also, uh, that comes on top of the fact that we've had declining farm income for a number of years now. 
Senators debated the bill for about three hours yesterday, but ended up skipping over it without a vote, leaving its prospect unclear. Virtually every school organization in the state is opposed to it. The concern is that that they, you know, possibly down the road, uh, school districts might not receive the state aid that the state is committing themselves to. Uh, that that risk exists today, and so that really doesn't change. And it, it really, there's probably you know only three of the largest schools that have. Uh, you know, maybe have the have the most risk there or the most concern there. Otherwise, this is extremely beneficial to the majority of school districts across the state. And when you look at the numbers, it, you know, really the way that the bill is is set up and and the way that that uh, it's structured to deal with districts that might have a decline in the in the amount of revenue they have coming in, and there's adjustments for that 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 this is really, really a good bill all the way around. And, and so I, I think it does just boil down to always a reluctance uh, to change, and, and, and that creates uncertainty. The only way the bill returns to the legislature's agenda is if leading supporters can show they have at least 33 votes to overcome a filibuster. One compromise could be tied to a statewide business incentive program, which is widely supported by urban senators. If a package were put together that, that, that dealt with property tax relief and dealt with business incentives, and it happened at the same time, we would certainly, uh, you know, be, uh, that would be acceptable for us. But, but again, we need to make sure that we get meaningful property tax relief as we, as we move forward with this. Asked if Farm Bureau believes the bill has a future. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm always optimistic. And when we're, when we're in the heat of the battle here, you, know, you really have to be. And we, we're working as hard as we can to, to find ways to, to uh, meet our priorities. What I would say is for, for those that are listening, uh, this is a great time to contact your senator and let them know the, that it's important that we get property tax uh, relief for Nebraskans. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. I'm Bryce Duskin reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio. This report is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Good afternoon. As we take a look at the grain market complex, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a look at these closing grain features with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. It turned around. We saw some pretty much lower numbers on the corn today. They kind of skimmed by, John, to come out with a positive end. Yeah, we've got, um, you know, decent demand data to talk about uh, as prices are low. So on the, on the one side, you'll get the supply side situation and say, hey, how are prices going to rally? Um, but at the same time, when you look at what, what's being purchased, you know, massive numbers in the last couple of days. Reminded this morning by that Chinese purchase last week. We got another one of those this week, so that'll be in the report next week uh, of just some decent demand here. Um, that's going to need to be the theme. The you know, U.S. ag sector needs to find demand. It doesn't need to shun it. So rallies are going to do just that at this point, especially given that South America's got product available, uh, and they're going to be bigger for their crop size next year. So, um, you know, from a, from a standpoint... No, we might have lost John there for a second. I know he's on his cell phone. 
Well, I think we may have lost him. John Payne was joining us again. He is with Daniel's Ag Marketing. Out of, uh, you can learn, of course, more about him at danielsagmarketing.com. In the meantime, let's take a look at what we're seeing in the market trade. As specifics on, on the soybean market, they still talk about some flood conditions in crop growing regions in China that are underpinned with some slight uptick in the futures that we saw in the trade action for today. As the dollar will continue as well as what John was going to be talking about as we see that influence how we move through these export numbers. They were considered to be on the soft side for old crop corn at 220,200 metric tons and strong on the new crop at 2.33 million. On the September contract, trade continued to have its resistance gap for a while. Export sales were strong, as he mentioned, on the soybean side of the trade, and export sales remained solid on the wheat. They were at 616,700 metric tons. Kansas City chart support was at its 20-day at 443, and that was tested earlier this morning in the trade. Well, settling out, September corn up a half, 328. December up three quarters at 335 and a half. The bids for the soybeans in September, $9 and three quarters, six and three quarters to the plus. November, $9 even, up four and a half. Wheat finds Kansas City, September seven and a quarter to the lower, 441 and a quarter. December, 452 and a quarter, down seven and a quarter. Chicago, September down five, 529 and a half. December, 534 and three quarters, down five. Listening to the Rural Radio Network. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Well, that will do th- things for our midday program that wraps it up. And as always, if you miss anything from our midday program, you can listen to the Midday Podcast, available on iTunes or KRVN.com. Our Midday Podcast is sponsored by Devenny